Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 155 at Odds with Wrestling, the three-year anniversary spectacular with Joe and Adam. Yeah, how about that? Three years. Right. I I actually just Googled, Joe, uh, I Googled what the proper anniversary gift is for th- the three-year anniversary. Do you want to take a guess at what that is? Is it a Colonel Mustafa Elite? <laughs> it should be. It should be. But you know, like they like they they say like your one year anniversary is supposed to be paper, and right. then like it goes on. I don't know. I didn't scroll down here, but it goes on forever. But the three year anniversary gift, uh, the appropriate one, is supposed to be leather. So <laughs> I need something that says podcaster loves leather. <laughs> oh, you mean leather podcaster? Yes, right this way. <laughs> Just wait until our fifth anniversary when I give you wood, Joe. Mm. <laughs> No, thank you. Uh, So I always have to take umbrage. I know you say it all the time because it's the uh, joke-ish in regards to me saying that you were going to give it up after a month. What did you say, two months? (laughs) No, 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 no. So if you remember, the original recording schedule was per your whatever. I'm like, no pressure, no nothing. And the original recording schedule was... Uh, whenever I feel like it, <laughs> maybe it'll be once a week. Maybe it'll be, maybe, you know, maybe it'll be like every other week. Maybe it'll be whatever. And I'd mentioned that to Todd, uh, my co-host over on Longbox Heroes. And I heard I missed you at the comic book shop by mere minutes this past week. Oh, well, that's unfortunate slash a good thing. <laughs> right. That's exactly what I said. Um. So when I mentioned that to Todd, Todd said... I give him a month and he'll get bored with this. And I said, I'm fine if he does that as long as I guess, you know, whatever he wants to do. Like, I don't want to, if you said to me after a month, I'm like, I'm done. We would have been done. I wouldn't have, that's the thing. I didn't want to be in a position to be pressuring you uh, outside of your comfort zone of doing the podcast. So it was more or less Todd saying, I give it a month. And then me saying, "Eh, if it ends up being a month, it ends up being a month, you know? Yeah. Okay. I'm getting you and Todd confused then. And that I do remember somebody saying that I'd get bored in a month, which is a very yes. astute observation. But uh, uh, can we revisit this recording whenever I feel like a thing, though? That does sound like an interesting thing. <laughs> um, well, again, you know, we can't. Uh, Tuesdays are no good. Every other Friday is no good. Um, you know, I guess uh, how, how close are the Yankees to uh, getting to the playoffs for anyone to care? It's looking worse and worse by the day, okay. so you're, you're stuck with me, I think. Okay. All right, we'll, we'll stick with the regular weekly schedule until uh, a better offer comes along. Who knows? Right, and I was actually, uh, you know, when I when I was doing my calculations um, about this, I was going to try to reach out and do something similar uh, like I did for the Thanksgiving episode two years ago where I got a bunch of people to leave messages and I put them into the show. Uh-huh. I was going to like try to reach out to some folks to see uh, if they would record some stuff just saying like, oh, happy third anniversary, you know, and Barry and us, Barry and the show, whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. But I'm like, everybody's kind of busy now that I know in wrestling since the world is opening back up. Mm-hmm. And that end up being a lot more work for me. So I'm just like, nah, we're good. We'll just do a podcast and that'll be the end of it. Oh, man. All right. Well, 
save it for next year. They can record it right now. Like you can start, you have an entire year to get them all in the bank. Yeah, sure. There you go. <laughs> I, again, I'm much lazier than uh, the amount of podcasts and all the other shit that I do would would lead people to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think um, I I think I do, I make the most of the time that I have. You know. Yeah. All right. I am upset with myself. I didn't. I, and this was the pay per view's fault. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch Dark or Dark Elevation this week. Hmm. Yeah, you're supposed to report to me how many times uh, the face of women's wrestling potatoes somebody so I can go check it out. The face? The face, (laughs) yeah. Well, that's as good as a segue if there ever was one. Uh Uh-huh. And now, At Odds with Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. So this day in wrestling history... Uh, you know, I added some, I may have added an extra thing or two when I'd emailed Adam earlier today, but I did just see on Twitter earlier today, uh, that today marks the one year anniversary of Tay Conte signing with All Elite Wrestling. The, the entire landscape of wrestling has never been the same. I'll, I'll tell you. Oh, great day. Great day. Now we joke. And again, we joke, but we're not joking, but we're joking uh, I really think she has been a great pickup for AEW. Another example, obviously, of somebody that, you know, WWE was like, eh, we see nothing in this person whatsoever. Like, not even worth keeping around for the the pennies that they were probably paying her on a developmental deal, you know? Right. But, yeah, just like, oh, just, eh, I'm sure, sure there's not another fledgling company out there starving for talent, you know? And some could even say that, like, you know, she may have been that catalyst. I'll, I'll, I'm saying that jokingly. I'd probably say, like, Rusev and uh, the Revival were probably, like, the two big ones. Uh, like, the two biggest WWE defectors that came over. And then, you know, Tay Conte, at least for the women, I would say it was, uh, you know, a pretty big move for AEW to make. Yeah, yeah, I... I... I could see that. And again, I'm a, I'm a little close to the, t- the subject, so I might be a little biased. But, right, uh, of course. You know, obviously. Uh, can't wait to get her fig. That's all I'm saying. <sighs> Multiples. <laughs> anyway, I, I figured the render would be enough for you, you know? Well, eventually you need to get it in your hand, you know? <laughs> fig photography. <laughs> you, you keep saying things, Adam. <laughs> That's fine. I realize I've been doing this for three years. I haven't been canceled yet. I might as well just do whatever. (laughs) So on this day in wrestling history in 1991, and I know that's a long ways back here for Adam, 30 years ago, and boy, howdy, do I feel old. uh, (laughs) This was the first time Ric Flair appeared on World Wrestling Entertainment Television as the real world champion on an episode of Primetime Wrestling, uh, hosted by Sean Mooney in front of the live studio audience. Uh, weeks leading up to this, Bobby Heenan had been coming on TV with the you know big gold belt that we all know from WCW, saying that Ric Flair, the real world's champion, was coming. And uh, you know the clips and everything have been circulating around uh, online today, and seeing it today. Uh, I remember seeing it as a kid. You know, we had NWA, WCW TV, maybe in our neck of the woods for about three years at that point. 
but even through the magazines, I knew what a big deal Ric Flair was. And, yeah. you know, I had inklings that he probably wasn't working for WCW anymore if he was in WWF. But, like, this was, you know, a dream match that we sadly really never got other than, like, some house shows and stuff. But uh, this is a pretty crazy thing to be happening in wrestling. Yeah, we joked that 1991 is, is a long time back, but that was, like... I'm not going to say at the height of my wrestling watching because I was still only 11 years old, but that was when I was really getting into it. And I had no idea who Ric Flair was aside from, you know, seeing a couple after mags here and there. But I remember seeing Bobby Heenan with the belt, as you mentioned. And then I remember seeing Flair on like whatever the Saturday morning show was. I don't have any recollection of the primetime wrestling spot. I was watching some of the clips that were on Twitter today and I'm like, oh, this somehow escaped my viewing. And I was at the point where I was trying to consume whatever I can get my hands on, but maybe it was on past my bedtime. No, uh, primetime wrestling was on in the Monday night raw slot. I think it was like eight to 10. Okay. Yeah. I just didn't see it first time around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if, if you, if you haven't seen it in a while, the clips are out there all over the place, you know, yeah. um, go back and revisit it, you know, uh, kind of appreciate how big of a deal that was uh, at the time and even still kind of resonating today, you know? Yeah. And and then, you know, just a, another example of even 30 years ago, WWE was dropping the ball with people. <laughs> well, it's, again, it was one of those things that started out hot and then kind of fizzled from there, you know? I, I think Ric Flair was, was too over and he was uh, the WWE, like it was one of those things where like, hey, you're not as you're getting over quicker than we had wanted you to get over. So we're going to have to push you down the card a little bit. Okay. So it wasn't so much that they pushed him down the card because keep in mind, like he comes out and he cuts the promos on Hogan, but his first actual like TV feud is with Roddy Piper. And then his next TV feud is with Macho Man. And that's like after he wins the title in the Royal Rumble, right? Where a lot of where a lot of people point to that was like the beginning of the end for Ric Flair was November of this year, right? Mm. Where he was the captain of a team at Survivor Series, where at this point he's no longer like this weird outsider representing another company, challenging Hogan. He's just like a guy captaining a team with Ted DiBiase, the Mountie, and the Warlord. <laughs> Joe, don't go try bringing into lot logic into me trying to trash WWF. No, but, well, listen, I'm so I'm kind of agreeing with you a little bit. Yeah, saying that when they just made him like another guy and he's going on the barber shop, cutting <laughs> promos with like the other cartoon characters in the WWF, he no longer was special. He no longer was like an island unto himself. Yeah, at least they didn't go and give him like a job. You know, like he wasn't like a, a garbage man or a repo man. What do you think like Ric Flair's cartoon WWF job would have been? Well, uh, <laughs> being that his, you know, and I'll, I'll and we'll make this joke. His cartoon job in the WWE was during the feud with Macho Man, where he had claimed that he had Elizabeth before Macho Man did. So his job was that of a philanderer or a <laughs> home wrecker. I thought you were going to say that he was like a really early Photoshop genius. No, no, right. He uh, he very could have been like somebody who was creating deep fakes. <laughs> but I'd like to think that that was something that Mr. Perfect was really doing. Uh, I think and like like Flair was saying, like, hey, make this. 
<laughs> and then like he was delegating responsibility to Mr. Perfect in all of this. That makes more sense. <laughs> right. Okay. So also on this day in wrestling history, um, you know, this when we record lines up with um Saturdays in 1995, and it lines up with Mondays in 1996. And I know we had like the NWO stuff, but like the NWO has kind of just been like there for a little bit. And you have to keep in mind, like they debuted in May with Scott Hall. A couple weeks later, Nash comes out. A month or two later is when Hogan comes out. Now, again, here we are, September. Where they have the first commercial for the first NWO shirt airs on the Nitro that was on this day in 1996. Mm-hmm. And this was also the debut of NWO Sting, a.k.a. Jeff Farmer, a.k.a. the guy who's been feuding with 2.0 and AEW. <laughs> first things first, I always wanted an NWO shirt, like, back mm-hmm. in the day. It, it, it was somehow harder to get WCW merch than it was WWF. I don't know if it was just because the magazines didn't advertise as much or if you just had to, like, you know, send in a postcard or some shit. I, I just remember the process being harder, and I never got one to this day. Um, but going as far as the NWO Sting thing, did I ever tell you about the time I, I dressed up as BWO Sting? Yes. <laughs> At a CYC ECW house show. Nobody I think, got the joke. <laughs> I think... Uh, so you've told that story on the show before. If you want to tell the story again, it's been many, many moons. Uh, but I'm almost certain I was at that show, and that was a very early meeting of you and I before I knew who you were. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, I already said most of it, but I, I basically painted my face up white, threw on a trench coat and a BWO shirt, and somebody uh, that was working the door was like, Sting's not here, pal. Like, thinking I was, like, some idiot who thought all wrestling was the same. I was like, no, it's I'm, I'm BWO Sting, and nobody got that. And then I had ringside seats, and when the BWO came out, and they're, like, slapping everybody's hands at ringside, they didn't even give me two looks. I'm like, I thought I had the greatest idea on the planet. You know, you had the blue guy, Hollywood Nova, Big Stevie Cool. I thought I was going to like celebrate in the ring afterwards that's how over i thought i was going to be <laughs> but nobody appreciated it so was, it's, was <laughs> this the cyc show where stevie throws his name into the hat to be a world title match at the pay-per-view and uh chastity chastity the bwo girl comes out and like jumps the rail and starts kissing on him I I, vague, I mean, I was at a lot of CYC shows. Anytime they were up here, I was at it. So I don't know if that was the exact same show. Okay, because at if it was that same show, my little brother, we dressed him up as, remember, Feinstein was 7-Eleven. He uh-huh. was like their knockoff six. Yeah. We had my little brother dressed up as him with the wig and the headband and the sunglasses and, like, the jacket with the numbers on the back and everything. <laughs> and she actually came and found him. And, again, bear in mind, he was maybe, like, I'm trying to do the math in my head, my gazintas. He was maybe, like, 14 at the time, so he was, like, a little kid. Yeah. Well, I was so only 16. him out, and, like, we got a picture of the two of them together. Uh, her and, like, her whatever gear and him and his, his getup. <laughs> See, that's the thing. The kids stole all my heat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the problem. But, I, like I said, I was maybe 16, maybe 17 at the time, so I was still still adorable little guy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. Uh, also on this day in wrestling history, a bit of sad business. This day, 2011, 
Frank Talent passed away. Now, you may be asking me who is Frank Talent. Frank Talent was the Pennsylvania State Athletic Commission representative who would come to all of the Philly-based shows. Um, if you watched a lot of the Ring of the early Ring of Honor shows from 2002, uh, he like they would incorporate him into some of the backstage backstage skits. Um, he was also like in the early Spectrum days. He would get to be like ring announcer because that's how Philly worked. Like they'd pull all these strings to get like commission guys jobs on the show. But when we with Chikara were running shows at the ECW arena, Frank Talent would always show up and demand give like a pre-match show speech. Okay. And it would always be the, the speech would be the same every time. We love you guys coming here. This is the biggest crowd we've ever had in this building. I talked to Roger or whoever the owner was at the time. He can't wait to have you guys come back. But I have to tell you one thing, and it would always be two things that he would have to tell us, but one of the things was always no spitting. <laughs> Frank Talon's big thing was no spitting. There was also a Dragon Gate USA show that I did that someone, and I forget who, put Akira Tozawa up as a rib on him and Frank Talon that in the middle of Frank Talon's speech to start singing happy birthday to him because it was his birthday... <laughs> And it definitely was not his birthday. <laughs> and uh, but Frank Talent was just one of those like Philadelphia area wrestling characters. Um, you know, he was an older gentleman. He was always involved. If you watch any show that happens at the ECW arena from like 2002 until 2011, you're going to see Frank Talent sit in ringside, get involved in the business. But he was just like a guy from the commission who loved wrestling and he was one of the least pain in the ass people from the Pennsylvania State Athletic Commission <laughs> fair enough all right uh so uh let's get into what we liked and didn't like in the last seven days in the world of professional wrestling and even without watching dark or dark elevation it's been a busy week Adam it was it was and it, it was very difficult to pick out just two likes uh, so I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to say for my first like, we have to start it all off with what's probably the big one of the biggest stories of the week. And my number one like, I'm just going to say AEW All Out, the pay-per-view in general. Uh, I can very specifically point out some things that may be in your likes, such as Kingston versus Mox, uh, Ruby Soho's debut, the Bucks versus Lucha Bros in the cage. Uh, Punk versus Darby with their little little nod to Brett versus one two three kid. When I saw that on Twitter, I popped for that. Uh, I popped huge for Adam Cole coming out. You know, I'm an Adam Cole mark, baby. And then obviously, uh, in kind of like your post credit scene at the very very end, you have Brian Danielson debuting, uh, top to bottom. Uh, very, very, very enjoyable show. Well worth every cent I paid to watch it. Uh, couple stinkers thrown in there. MGF versus Jericho. And, uh, you know, the uh, women's championship match was okay. But overall, just a, a really good pay-per-view. And obviously, I, I feel like anybody that's talking about wrestling this week has something good to say about this show. So your first like is just the entirety of the pay-per-view? 
Yeah, because I could have easily just been like, oh, uh, Adam Cole debut is my first, like, Brian Danielson debut is my second, like, CM Punk versus Darby is my third that I don't get. So I'm just saying the the pay-per-view in general is my first, like. So I uh, enjoyed the pay-per-view very much. Um, I think people online saying that it's one of the greatest pay-per-views of all time are being um, a, uh, a little hyperbolic. Uh-huh. I think it's just because we haven't had a lot of really great top-to-bottom pay-per-views in a very long time. Um, and a lot of times people just remember, like, the main event or whatever it is. I will say this is a very good pay-per-view. I enjoyed it. Um, and my logic of this was is I need to pick what my favorite thing from the pay-per-view was for my like to represent or symbolize or whatever uh, my like. And that would be the uh, AEW debut of Brian Danielson. Um, you know, I think we all knew at well, so I think we all knew uh, Ruby Soho was debuting mm-hmm. on the pay-per-view uh, with the women's battle royal thing. Yeah, the, and, the Joker spots always, you know, uh, the, the yeah. surprise debut, you know. And I think we all had an inkling that Danielson was coming in, and I think we all had an inkling of Adam Cole coming in, and the question was just going to be when, right? Yeah. But to debut them both back-to-back as the close of the pay-per-view uh, was like one of the ballsiest things I've ever seen a company do in forever. And a lot of people were commenting online that the biggest thing about AEW that sets it apart from WWE these days is um, AEW listens to what the fans want and then it gives it to them. As opposed to World Wrestling Entertainment, which claims they listen to what the fans want and then just do whatever the hell they want. Yeah, what's the old uh, adage that like Vince McMahon always allegedly says that he knows what the fans want more than the fans know? Right. Yeah. And sometimes the fans know what they want, and you give it to them, and the fans are happy. Um, but I would say Danielson being my favorite wrestler of the modern era, mm-hmm. um, that I enjoy the mo- most of his matches that he's had. Um, I think he's as just as big as a deal coming in as Punk, as Cole, as Ruby Soho. Um, the fact that he's already in the mix with the elite guys, I think, says a lot. Um, you know, he's like in the babyface super group with like Chris Jade and Jungle Boy and so forth. Um, but yeah, Danielson's my favorite guy. So it's awesome to see him in AEW and happy. I watched the little presser thing that he did afterwards talking about it. Uh, I watched like the little video that they did of like him prepping for his debut the night of the pay-per-view. Um, I'm just happy he's back. And again, it's crazy. Not five months ago, he was the main event of WrestleMania, and now he's an AEW. Yeah. And another thing, like all these people in their debuts, whether it be on camera or, as you mentioned, in the pressers or the backstage, you know, interviews that are just recorded for YouTube – the genuine like happiness on all their faces. It's almost like you would think that they were hired for like a 50 times their original pay, you know, but like, obviously that's not necessarily the case, but like there's the genuine happiness of like either being, whether you want to call it being free or being in a different spot or just being able to be themselves. Maybe, I don't know. There's a lot to be said about like when you see the, the joy on like punk's face or, or uh, Danielson's face or whatever, you know? For sure. All right. So we doubled up there a little bit. Um, a little bit. 
I, I'm going to go ahead and just do a dislike because it adds on to what I just said. And my first dislike, obviously, we're coming off of, as you said, allegedly one of the greatest wrestling pay-per-views of all time. But, you know, conservatively, a really, really good show from AEW. So my, of course, the mindset is, hey, somebody at the WWE has to be like, oh, shit, we need to, like, react to this and maybe put on a, a decent Monday Night Raw. Uh, Joe, my first dislike is Monday Night Raw in general. And Aww. because I say that it was the response to All In or All Out. And uh, the first thing that really jumps out at me is how, I mean, most of the show was built around RK Bro, you know, as the last six months of Raw seems to have been, uh, which is fine, I guess. And there was a couple interesting tag matches in there. But the thing that really made me just turn off the channel uh, I mean, after I saw the uh, Alexa bit, of course, but uh, when they had Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre, this has to be, I know I exaggerate a lot for the sake of the show, but this has to be the 15th televised or pay-per-view match that they've had in the last six months. Like, and this is again, Monday night raw, what used to be their flagship, just a completely unwatchable show. Like I, I think Aside from uh, spooky stuff that I want to keep a, a keep abreast of, uh, I'm going to skip all of Raw going forward, and I'm just going to not even pay it the due of uh, a fast forward watch. But mm-hmm. yes, my my dislike number one was WWE's response. So I, obviously, I wouldn't call that show by any stretch of the imagination a response to what they what AEW did. You know, Vince will tell you that they are not uh competition, right? No, of course not, because WWE is like Disney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I haven't been watching Raw in a long time, like at least top to bottom, you know? Um, I, I catch the clips, and that's really about it, you know? Yeah. Now, I know, and I, I went and I looked this up just for sake of argument. This has only been... So we're going to just say this year, okay? Yeah. And obviously we can't count house shows because, again, how even though house shows are back, we can't count house shows. This is only the fourth time Drew and Sheamus have wrestled on TV in this calendar year. Now, does that count matches on the cock? Because I feel like... <laughs> I feel like both of them have faced each other on the cock a couple times. So there, okay, so there was an episode of Raw. All right. Uh, actually, it was two weeks in a row in March where they wrestled each other on Raw. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then they wrestled at Fast Lane. Okay. And then they wrestled on Raw this past week. That's it. That's it. Wow. Still feels like 150 times. I, and again, if we look at their entire history, I'm sure it is closer to 150 times. But actually, they, you know, they had been kept apart for quite some time. Maybe it's, and again, because I I don't pay attention, but I'm right. They were running a gimmick where they were like partners for a little while. And then that dastardly heel Seamus turned on them. So maybe I'm just, when when you're watching things at 10 times speed and you see them like in the same ring together, I guess you just assume they're, they're wrestling. So I, I think where the issue comes in is, is as bloated as the World Wrestling Entertainment roster is, and whether we're talking about Raw, SmackDown, NXT, or everything, right? Yeah. It feels as though it's like the same like 10 to 15 people on TV every week, right? Yeah. I, um, oh, go ahead. Whereas AEW has like this giant roster, 
And like, if you look at the pay-per-view that from this past week, everything that happened on the pay-per-view except for uh, QT Marshall versus Tall Paul was mm-hmm. mentioned or referenced, whether it got an entire segment or 30 seconds, it, it got mentioned and referenced on Dynamite this past week. Yeah. So they're they're making the most of their TV time, you know, for the most part. You know, people were arguing about how Dynamite went off the air this past week, but that's not my argument to have. Um, but it definitely feels as though Drew and Sheamus have been programmed together for a while. But I think it's less them and more how WWE programming is uh, wrought at our brains. Yeah. <laughs> and I would, my first instinct is to suggest uh, like a superstar shakeup or something, especially with NXT basically folding. Yeah. Uh, it, but at the same time, I don't want it to ruin the watchability of SmackDown. Like if you somehow like take Roman Reigns and put him on Raw or something to that effect, I'd be like, oh, come on. Let's just keep the fact that like 95% of the most watchable main roster stuff is on SmackDown. I don't want to mix it up. But right. I don't know. Maybe put all the you know your uh, your Garganos and Champas and stuff up on Raw. Mix it up there, mm-hmm. and then you can take like your Killer Crosses and just like release them, and like things would be better then. So uh, you mentioned SmackDown. Let's get into one of my dislikes from this past week. So um, you know, over the summer there were some call ups from NXT. There were a lot more firings and. Uh, wishing you well in future endeavors than there were call-ups. But this person got video packages hyping their debut coming soon to SmackDown. And then they had a match on SmackDown six weeks ago. And then they hadn't been on SmackDown since. And when you take a talent like Tony Storm, who was a big deal, would always have great matches was one of those women that was consistently great in NXT. And you bring her up to the roster with some hype behind her, but then you sit on her for seven weeks, and then you decide to bring her back on TV as... Dolph Ziggler's maybe kind of sort of love interest? (laughs) What are we doing, folks? (laughs) I don't know. It's not like they don't have women, you know? Like... Tony Storm could be wrestling like Bianca or Becky or, you know, Zelina Vega again or Carmella or Shotzi Blackheart or Tegan Knox or any number of women that are on SmackDown. But it wouldn't be the like if this was her debut as just someone backstage who like has their little whatever with Dolph Ziggler. Fine. Sure. Great. Okay, it's. How she gets in the door, you know, Cesaro started as Oksana's boyfriend. (laughs) Okay. And look where he is now. Um, But they had video packages for her. They were hyping her up. They brought her on TV. They had her go over Zelina Vega, who, you know, they made a big deal about rehiring. And then for seven weeks, they did nothing with her. (laughs) I don't know. It's just. Tony Storm, obviously, great look to her, great in the ring. You know, she has all that, like, the history of, like, being an NXT UK women's champion, being a shit kicker and, and regular NXT. And as you mentioned, they hype the hell out of her. But that would require them to push more than the same four women. And I don't feel like they're mentally capable of doing that in the WWE, you know? If exactly. it's not, 
If it's not uh, Charlotte Flair or uh, Becky Lynch or, uh, you know, I was about to say Ronda Rousey, Jesus Christ, Sasha Banks and, and Bailey, you know, those are your four people that no matter what are always going to be the ones pushed. And like if if there's a blip on the radar, like your Nikki Ash or something like that, they'll just be it'll course correct to being those four. Uh, at this point, uh, Tony Storm is, I, I hate to say it, uh, if they're going to feature her weekly as Ziggler's girl, uh, she, sh- I don't, I'm not, I don't want to say she should be happy, but that might be the only way she's going to get on TV with this company, you know, just because they might just uh, not use her for a couple months and then just release her like they do with everybody else, you know? So if you want to be on TV, you know, maybe impress in that role and hope for the best. You know, there's no rhyme or reason. You can't predict who's going to go anywhere with this company because I, I don't know. I'm at my wits end with them. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I'm going to praise the WWE with my second like, Joe. Uh, and that is just specifically NXT. Uh, the lights aren't completely out in NXT, but I'm sure they will be. But there was a segment on NXT this week that just checked all the boxes for me as being something I would pop for. And that is the Dexter Loomis bachelor party segments. Uh, (laughs) Again, this is uh, the entire thing was funded by Cameron Grimes because him uh, and Dexter called a truce. We had the zombie referee, which is a callback to the Cameron Grimes uh, Dexter Loomis feud. And uh, just all the little subtle things of Dexter trying to get in Johnny Gargano's good graces, such as eliminating Gargano's competition in the go-kart race, teaching him how to throw an axe properly. And then the piece of resistance at the end is the them playing laser tag and Dexter just going around choking out and chloroforming people. Uh, I was a fan of the segment because, again, I like silly shit, and it was the only bright spot in an otherwise dreary NXT show. Uh, definitely on my short list. Um, could have been like third or fourth, maybe. Uh, it was definitely a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoyed the bachelor party stuff more than the setup with the bachelorette party skit. Oh, you don't like the super spreaders TikTok reference? No, no, I don't. (laughs) Um, I'll say this with next week being the wedding and also next week being the debut of the new NXT I was cautiously enjoying that segment. I'm like, oh boy, this is so much fun. What's it going to all turn into next week, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So it was one of those things like this could be like not only Dexter's last hurrah before he gets married, but also all of the people who've been enjoying NXT for the last five years, last hurrah. It's like, enjoy these characters because after this Tuesday, they're all going to be G double O. Double E, double E, or double N, double E, gone. <laughs> I I almost imagine, like, what was it when uh, Vince Russo and Bischoff took over WCW on TV and they were just like, all right, we're stripping all the belts, we're starting all over again, and it was like the Millionaire's Club versus the New Blood, and then just nothing made sense from the previous week's television. I can almost imagine that that's what happens when uh, Vince and Brucey come in next week. It's just going to be like tags are going to be broken up. You're going to have all the titles just automatically change hands to people that they want to be champions. Uh, it's not going to be good. Well, um, well, they do have a, a four-corner survival whatever match set up for 
the number one contender for the uh, NXT title, and I could definitely see them setting up La Knight versus Samoan Joe. <laughs> I could see Bruce and Vince really being big fans of the pride of Hagerstown, Maryland. <laughs> they're going to be like, oh, they're watching like an interview from L.A. Knight, and they're like, oh, there's something about him that's very familiar with some of our favorite people in the past. Let's push them. <laughs> But they were just watching that Car Shield commercial with Ric Flair and uh, Lanite in it. Nice. All right. So I got one more like. Um, and this one came Saturday. As you know, Saturday uh, and Friday and Saturday was AEW All Out or whatever the pay-per-view was called. Uh, Fan Fest, right? But also as part of Fan Fest, there was lots of announcements being made. Mm-hmm. And I would say maybe the most important announcement that came out of that was for AEW Jazzwares figures on Rivaled Series 9, the hashtag worked, hashtag the hashtag worked, Eddie <laughs> Kingston's getting a goddamn action figure. <laughs> nice, and I like how that's right up the top, go ahead. So many people were just like, oh my god, this these sets, I gotta get this and I gotta get this one. I'm gonna, like, these, these sets that got announced, they're gonna clean me out. And I've told everyone, I can convince myself that the only ones that I need are Brody and Eddie. Mm. Granted, I need four of each. (laughs) So it evens out with you getting your one of eight different people. I'm just getting four of these two. Sure. Um, I will say the the OC I'm on the fence about because it comes with a head with the glasses molded on. And a different shirt and an elbow pad or two. Or three. Yeah. Um, so the OC, I'm on the fence just for the different head. Um, but the Brody and the Eddie Kingster day one ringside collectible pre-orders. I'm not fucking around with trying to doll safari them. No. Um, those are must-haves, you know? No, absolutely. Well, congratulations for your hashtag being successful. Uh, for thank you, thank you. Um, but I agree, uh, I, I don't often like to buy from ringside if it's something that's not an exclusive to them. But when it comes to AEW figures, as as I've chronicled over the many, many months, uh, they're next to impossible to reliably find in the wild. So, yes, I will be pre-ordering day one a lot of these. And as you mentioned, uh, getting multiples, I have a little checklist here of upcoming AEW figures, including how many I need of each. And I have right here... Unrivaled Series 8, Orange Cassidy, I need two of those. Right. Unrivaled 9, Eddie Kingston, I need two of those. Uh, unmatched 2, Tay Conti, I need two of those. Uh, unmatched 3, Brody Lee, I need two of those. And then also Unmatched Series 3, Anna Jay and John Silver, I'll just take one of each of those. The John Silver one I'm on the fence on. I could yeah. I could come or go with John Silver. Here's the thing. A lot of the people are saying that it looks just like uh, Pac's body. I need it to be Pac's body, but Big Papa Pump's biceps. And if it's not like that combination, I'll be upset and I'll pass on it. So I need to see what the uh, actual real one looks like. And uh, also, uh, just to give credit where credit's due to Mr. Ed Cody, hashtag get Adam to be the subject of a giant hashtag by Joe Sposto. Uh, Again, we're going to have to wait right now. Um, the hashtag currently is now make an Ethan Page AEW action figure jazzwares. <laughs> I, cu- I couldn't put punctuation in there because the punctuation breaks up the 
the hashtag, yeah. right? Could you can you put before uh what was it? San Francisco Toy Makers or who's making the who technically has that figure? Figures Toy Company. Figures FTC. Toy Company. So yeah, at the end of it, like have make an Ethan Page figure jazzware before Figures Toy Company or whatever. If it'll fit. No, it's too late. It's already pinned. I can't oh, pin it and change the hashtag. Oh, see, I, I I haven't seen the tweet yet. All right. So so I'll Adam, I'll say this. Yes. So we have this one for the Ethan Page figure. Uh-huh. Next up is 2.0 two pack. Yes. Next up is uh Brian Danielson figure. <laughs> yeah, and, but you don't need to create a hashtag for a Brian Danielson. They'll be bumping somebody out of the lineup to make one for him real soon. If I don't make the hashtag, Adam, they don't make these figures. It's been proven <laughs> twice. <laughs> well, they made a CM Punk one, and you didn't have a hashtag for that. That's a coincidence. Oh, okay. That's a coincidence. So the 2.0 one, uh-huh. the, the, the Brian Danielson one. Yeah. And then as long as they don't sign like anybody else in between then, like, like say like Steen. they don't sign like Kevin Steen in like yeah. January or something, <laughs> then we'll get to a hashtag for you. All right. Book me in there somewhere. <laughs> It'll be like, get Adam a micro brawler, but not from uh, 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 tease from that other one that made that first shitty Nick Gage one. Oh, the bootleg brawlers. Damn it. <laughs> Get out of a bootleg brawler. <laughs> well, we need so, to add to it, but you're like four deep. You're on the list, but you're four deep on the list. I'm in the queue. Like you used to have like a Netflix queue, but like I just keep getting bumped for new releases. Is what's yeah, happening. yeah, exactly. All right. Fair enough. I'm just happy to be in consideration, I guess. <laughs> All right, Joe, I have one last dislike. Okay. And, uh. You have to bear with me for a second, because I don't usually like to get that serious on this show. But uh, this past weekend, <laughs> I don't know what's Go so ahead. funny. I don't know I'm what's laughing so funny. at something unrelated to this. I, I assure you. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Okay. This past weekend, a little, little sh- shindy, if you will. Uh, now, th- this shindy was on the upswing, but I'm sure after this weekend, it's uh, going to be back down to being in the garbage. But this little this little shindy called GCW had uh, had an event called War Games. And in that main event of that show, uh, a young man named Frank the Clown was getting his once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to face the champion. The world champion of GCW, that is uh, the Deathmatch King, Matt Cardona, a.k.a the universal champion of GCW. And, uh, you know, obviously Broski easily dispatched Frank the Clown. You know, it was, a, it was a hard battle, you know, obviously a four and a half star match, but, you know, Broski came out on top. The bell rings, Broski's arm is raised. He defends the GCW title once again. And uh, then like some dude with a bunch of like monks came out. They call him like Graver, G Raver, something to that effect. You know, whatever distraction. It doesn't matter. Broski won his match. He defended the title, Joe. And uh, then one of these druids jumps Broski, takes off his hood. And wouldn't you know, it's John Moxley. That guy, that, that AEW guy doesn't even work for GCW. He attacks their champion, Joe. And then, like, again, he, he hits him with a DDT on broken glass, unsafe work environment. He pins him, and the referee counts a three count. There wasn't a match. 
Broski was not signed to defend his title a second time, but they go and they crown Moxley the GCW champion. Says who? Says who? There, you can't just. Oh, what happens if some dude jumps the rail and just like hits Broski with a chair? I'm sure a lot of people listening to this would like to do that. But if you just pin him, are you the world champion? Do we live in a society where anybody can just become world champion just by like hitting somebody and like pinning them? Ridiculous. Broski is the GCW Universal Champion. That is without a doubt. But I say he is still the GCW World Champion. And anything to the contrary is bullshit. So fuck GCW for not recognizing that they were finally linking themselves to the rocket ship that gave them relevancy. Uh, and, and, and fuck Nick Gage for, for attacking poor Broski after a hard-fought match. Like, talk about getting somebody, like, from behind when they're weakest. Typical coward move. But, uh, uh, again, uh, my second dislike is the fact that the world was robbed of one of the greatest title reigns uh, of indie wrestling, or really just any wrestling, over this past weekend. I'm done. Oh, but Adam, unfortunately, our great national nightmare is not over. And by our, I mean mine. Because Broski is still complaining about this. At rightfully should. Uh-huh. Yep. He's calling it the Chicago screw job. Yep, yep. Uh, he had someone Photoshop a wrestling with shadows thing with Brett's lovely mug in place of Vince. <laughs> um, I think as we record, uh, Broski said that he is going to address the uh, GCW universe live uh, when they return to New York for the uh, for the the emo show or whatever it is, and he's going to have a uh, smart mark with him. Yep, because the smart mark is going to like file an injunction because this is bullshit. Uh, yeah, that's all. That's all I got to say about this. Fine. You know what? It, it, it's not for everybody, Joe. Not everybody is a fan of, of really, really good match wrestling. I don't know. I, whatever. <laughs> Let's just say there'll be, I will be following this story as it develops, and I'll, I'll fill you in as we go, Joe. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, so my last dislike, Adam, is yes. from uh, AEW Dynamite this past week. And this would be the entire MJF Brian Pillman Jr. Se segment. Okay. Now I'm going to preface this by saying, don't tweet at me. Don't direct message me. Don't text me. I don't want to hear. Okay. And this one, you got your opinion. I got my opinion. I think MJF is fine. I think he's a perfectly serviceable in-ring competitor. Probably had the worst match in the pay-per-view, but that's more on Jericho than him. And I don't want to blow up his spot, but he's actually a nice guy. Um, The two or three times that I got a chance to meet him, he's actually a nice person. However, um, his heel shtick has now finally topped Dan Lambert's as the hokiest, corniest, hackiest, worst shit on AEW TV. Mm -hmm. um, just because you start your promo by saying, I'm going to do a bunch of cheap heel heat, and then you do a bunch of cheap heel heat, that doesn't make it okay that you called attention to it. 
And then the stuff with Pillman's family that was at ringside, uh, the aunt and the sister, and then running down Pillman's mother to his face, uh, calling her methany, should have been swallowed, all this other stuff. This is stuff that was hackneyed and bullshit when Ray Deadly was doing it in 1999. It's 2021. If you are the great promo that everyone thinks that you are, this week was not an example of it. This week you should have been ashamed of the promo that you cut. And now this big promo builds to a match at the Arthur Ashe Stadium show against maybe the worst person on the roster in Brian Pillman Jr., who did not hold up his end of the bargain here. He was made to look ridiculous on the mic by MJF, who was shit that night. And then when he and he had MJF down, he's laying the punches in on him. His punches looked like dog shit. And then even further still, we're on what? Now take three of the T's of the Wardlow face turn? Mm-hmm. All of it was terrible. All of it stunk. I know MJF could be better. And I think maybe in 10, 15 years, he'll have it figured out and he won't be doing these crutch bullshit phrases and nonsense. And I get coming in and saying the town stinks and running down the local sports team. You say it once and you move on to something else. Go back and watch like Edge and Christian stuff with Kurt Angle from like 2001, 2002, when they would do stuff to run the town down. They would primarily bury their opponents primarily put themselves over and then get one real good dig in at the town. Mm -hmm. That's all you need to do. And the problem is, is there's way more people that think that MJF is good or other reasons. And they won't say that this past week sucked, but if he keeps cutting promos like he did this past week, he's just going to, he's going to get worse before he gets better. Mm Hmm. I'm going to counter with an argument and just say, I think MJF is good, but I don't think any of this past week was good. Is that an acceptable like compromise? Oh, yeah. Like I said, I, I think he's good. I don't think he's anywhere near the level where everyone else does. Yeah. I know I'm in the minority on this one. You ain't going to convince me. There's yeah. no match you can show me. There's no promo that you can show me that's going to convince me that otherwise yeah like i'll see the takes on whether it be on twitter or in like the major pod facebook group or stuff where people will just say mjf is the greatest heel in the business today and I, i'm like oh pump the brakes a little bit he's probably in the top five in AEW. you know like it, it, let's not yeah like and he's much. like in the bottom in the top five yeah <laughs> yeah um I, I did not take as much exception to the running down of the Pillmans as you did, but there were parts of it that were kind of icky. Uh, I think it would have hit harder if uh, Pillman's sister wasn't like laughing at the whole thing. Like obviously they're all in on it. So, but she found it funny. So it kind of took away the sting and made it look less, uh, uh, you know, like there's less venom in what he was saying. And regarding Brian Pillman Jr. Coming out, I agree. Like if you were going to have that match where you're trying to have, have Brian Pillman Jr. be the sympathetic baby face. Uh, don't do it in New York where the next show is. Have that be later on in that show so he at least gets the hometown prop, you know, pop, you know? So that made, doesn't make any sense. And I, I'm sure I'm not the only person here that 
I don't want to see Wardlow turn. Wardlow's perfectly good just being the silent muscle of of people that are better talkers than him or just whatever. Just I we, we don't need him to turn. We just had Brian Cage turn. There's so many guys that are the same, you know, person, so to speak. Just have him be the the monster of the pinnacle if that still exists. You know, I, nobody wants to see that baby face turn. But exactly. I agree and with this. I saw people talking on Twitter uh, as we record saying like, oh, my God, guys, what happens if Hook debuts and he's not good? You know, then we're all going to look foolish with all this Hook talk, right? (laughs) I think you all look foolish when you all say Wardlow is good currently. Wardlow's another guy who's just fine. He's super protected. He's the smallest thing that passes for a Haas that's ever been on national television. Oh, okay. You know, um, don't put him next to Billy Gunn or the Gun Club kids or any other list of people that are like three to four inches taller than he is. It's mm. just that everybody else in wrestling is so small by proxy. He's the next tallest guy. <laughs> and again, I'm sure Wardlow's another one. In 10 years, I'm sure he'll be fine, you know? Yeah, but when everyone's online, like Wardlow's the second coming of like professional wrestling, I think it's an elaborate rib on all of us. <laughs> it's one of those things where if, you, if they just say it enough, it'll be spoken into existence. I think. No, Maybe. no. All right. All right, Joe. Well, that's it for likes and dislikes. Yep. And ob- obviously, we had a pay per view this past weekend, so we didn't have any homework. But I do have homework to assign to you. Joe and you, the audience. All right. And uh, as you know, Joe, uh, my fandom of this particular promotion is, has just gone back for years. Uh, You may even call me a super fan of this promotion. So, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to watch this Friday on Jerry's internet wrestling emporium and also available shortly thereafter on demand, but we are going to watch AIW sunny days. Yay! I'm glad you're on the trolley for this one. <laughs> I mentioned uh, after we watched the last bit of homework that I had dabbled in uh, recommending the uh, the follow-up show from that weekend, which uh, I forget the name of. But this works out better. It'll be a fresh show. You know, we can watch it live, live tweet, use whatever hashtag they're using if you uh, so choose. And if not, you know, do what I did last week and, and watch it, you know, a couple days later. And I'm sure you probably have the card to talk about when you go over like the plugs later uh well again let's roll it right into plugs right here um sure. you know obviously uh jerry's internet wrestling emporium aka i internet wrestling.tv uh use the promo code at odds you don't get anything uh free but it just lets jerry know you're a new subscriber coming in uh to watch especially if you keep your subscription that's going to help things out after that uh, there is a bunch of stuff this weekend, but obviously the main thing that we and you and I will all be watching is AIW Sunny Days, and it's a hell of a card, uh, starting with Tom Lawler taking on one half of the Bitcoin boys, Eric Taylor, Mance Warner taking on Ethan Wright, uh, 9 to 5, Jack Verville and Lewis Linden taking on the main show debuting members only. To Infinity and Beyond, taking on 40 acres of PB Smooth and Jocelyn Navarro. Uh, Gringo Loco, Alex Zane, Chase Oliver, and Matt Cross in a four-way flippy-doo. How do you do? Mm-hmm. Derek Dillinger in the test of his young career, taking on Matt Justice. 
recently signed AEW, Lee Moriarty, taking on formerly of 205 Live, Anthony Green, and just announced in the last few days, Kaplan taking on the Man Beast Rhino. (laughs) And in your main event for the AIW Tag Team Championship, uh, the Philly Marino Experience, Philly Collins and Marino Tanaglia, taking on the Rip City Shooters, the intense and absolute champion, Joshua Bishop. And as it says right on the match rundown on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, Mr. IWTV himself, Wes Barkley. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a hell of a show. Uh, I'm excited to watch it. I'm glad that it's part of the homework, so uh, I will actually get a chance to get it in and uh, listen, watch live, use the hashtag, just like Adam said. Uh, It's definitely going to help out with uh, boosting those numbers, boosting uh, visibility here on the AIW show. AIW is my my home away from whatever. Uh, One of these days this year, I'm going to get out to Ohio one more time for one more. You know, just seeing everyone, seeing a show, seeing all the the fans and the wrestlers and everybody else at AIW. But uh, this is the next best thing. If you can't be there live, watch it live on internetwrestling.tv. Yeah, absolutely. After last week's show with, uh, you know, just seeing Kaplan out there beating the shit out of people, I'm looking forward to the the Rhino match. That's what pushed it over the edge, you know, when that can announce. <laughs> I just want to see those two beat the shit out of each other for a couple minutes. Oh, yeah. Uh, so also be sure to check out our store, which, which is uh, housed at tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes, where our T Public store has a bunch of designs inspired by this show, designs inspired by... Uh, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Plays, Hit My Music, other shows on the soon-to-be-named network and soon-to-be-named network logos that you can get on shirts and stickers and cell phone covers and notebooks and all sorts of shit through our T Public store. Uh, be sure to check that out. And in the show description for every one of these episodes, uh, you can find the link to our Amazon affiliate thing. Uh, where any and all of your purchases that you make through Amazon does not charge you anything extra, but it gives us a little bit of a kickback on the back end. And uh, it's the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money or advertising fee. Yeah. (laughs) And did we have a purchase? So this is weird. There was a purchase made, but it hasn't shown up on the report. Like there's money there, but it doesn't say what was purchased. Ah, son of a bitch. Could have been. I don't know. It's it's real weird the way the the the, the report runs, you know. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes when you pre-order something, it shows up, but the cash for it doesn't show up. Yeah, it could have been toilet paper, or it could have been a new car. We won't know for a while. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> wasn't a new car. <laughs> Fingers crossed. But anyways, Joe, there's some other podcasts you can listen to while you're waiting for the AIW show to start. Oh yeah. Yeah. And some of those podcasts are Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, the all-new Hit My Music featuring The Boar. Check it out. I just listened a couple days ago. Uh, Wrestling Cheers, who I believe on their most recent episode is previewing the AIW Sunny Days. So give that uh, a, a listen, you know, to get yourself ready for the show. Uh, Between the Sheets, Viewer's Choice, Pod Van Dam. Hellions Talks, IWTV Guide, Final Wrestling Place, and uh, just completely unrelated, but shout out to the Boar for ranking 488 on the PWI 500. 
you know, first time on the list. Congratulations, sir. <clears throat> Excuse me. And last, certainly not least for show plugs, is the A-Show. And speaking of the A-Show, Joe, this Monday is the big, the big showdown between myself, Tim from Final Wrestling Place, and Brett from We Need Wrestling. I know everybody's uh, just as excited for this as I am. I'm excited. Uh, I did enjoy listening to Ed book his 1997 World Wrestling Entertainment card this past week. And uh, you guys have, what, 2000 WCW? Yep, 2000 WCW. And, uh, you know, this is something that I think when the show, like the A-Show in general first came out, uh, all three of us had, like, mentioned that we wanted to cover this because it is, of course, the best era of WCW. And, uh, you know, I obviously, as I often do, I've just been sitting here uh, a humble victor of uh, two and a half previous appearances. You know, first I beat Tim, you know, fair and square for everybody to see. And then I beat Jason D'Agostino in the Tournament of Champions. And then I like to say that I took you to a time limit draw in our round uh, of the Tournament of Champions. So I'm like two and oh and one in my eyes. So, of course, I've been sitting here, you know, just minding my own business. But, uh. Tim's been running his mouth for like weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks about like how he's going to beat me. And uh, the way I see it, Joe, I have nothing to lose going into Monday. Uh, Cause honestly, Brett could win. You know, I have not seen what Brett can do in this type of environment. He's a, he's a really good dude. His show's awesome. You know, Brett could beat us both. You never know. Or on the flip side, Tim could win, you know, cause everybody to be honest with you is buying a ticket to see him get his revenge as I use in air quotes. And, that would be fine. You know, whatever. I'll, I'll lose. But here's the thing, Joe. What if I win? What if I back all this talk up and I beat down Tim again just as badly as I did before and I beat Brett? What's going to happen then? Like, literally, Tim will have no ground to stand on. Like, I don't want to see Tim go away. You know, I want to see his podcast go on forever and ever because it's a great podcast. But, like, how do you not take a couple weeks off and lick your wounds in that defeat? Like to, to finally, after all of this buildup to not be able to get the job done, like that would sting a little bit. And like I said, if I lose, I'm fine with it. I, I was built to lose this feud, to be honest with you, Joe. But if I win, man, oh, I, I just don't know how we would continue just like podcasting, but we shall see Monday is the recording and the following Monday is the release of the episode. And I'm not going to tell everybody out there to vote for me, you know, just cause you're a listener of this show. Cause I'm sure all three shows have a lot of overlap, but when you're done listening to the a show, I want you to pick the best, most entertaining show. And don't worry, Joe, it'll be nine. So that's all I got to say about it. Well, I, well, I'll only say this mm. in the interest of fairness. Yeah. Um, you know, it's no secret that whenever any of us are on the A show and there's some sort of poll involved, we rally the troops and say, get all your Sako accounts and everything else like that. But when you were on the show head to head against Tim last time, I used only one account um, and I voted honestly and truthfully. I deliberated here on the air uh, so that there was no question or concern or collusion or otherwise. Right. Yeah, I, I believe in no collusion. Go on. Right. And I will assume that um, 
that means Chris and Matt are not drafting as well. It's just going to be the three of Yez. Correct. Yeah, they will just be moderating and uh, letting us know who wasn't booked and asking post-press uh, conference questions. Now, obviously, I'll say this based on I'm not I'm also going to say this to you, Adam, and anyone listening to this that's involved in that show. Do not draft to uh, appease one segment of the vote. And even if that segment of the vote is me, right? Mm. Draft the show that you want, the one that you think is going to be the most entertaining to the mass audience of WCW 2000 fans. Yeah. I will say this, just based on their previous experiences and what I know of the three competitors, if you, not listening to anything, I would bet that Brett would be the one that puts together the card that would be the most appealing to me, since you and Tim are going to be fighting amongst each other, Brett's going to kind of sneak in there and get some good pulls, you know? Yeah, there, there's been uh, comments that he might steal the victory out from underneath us, yeah. Right. But we'll see. We'll so it's see. recording. It's recording this Monday. It airs the following Monday. Of course, there'll be an update next week. And the following week, you'll have my deliberation of which way I vote. And, the and following I'm not saying month. that I have any influence over our audience. But maybe I do. Maybe I don't. We'll find out in two weeks. <laughs> and uh, the, in two weeks from now, I'll be doing my victory lap on this podcast. Well, they <laughs> usually set it up. Oh, well, so... You know, and it's difficult to say because, like, some of those polls had way a lot of votes with their clout chasing and some of the other ones not so many, you know? Mm. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, it'll just be very interesting to see how everything shakes out. Maybe my victory lap will take a couple weeks. Good for everybody. Right. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So I think that's it. Uh, I think all we got is weekly purchases at this point, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, it just, as is often the case, Joe, just a, a pretty light week for me. I'm I'm sure just as light as yours. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, Joe, I'm going to start things off, as I often do, with just a follow-up to last week's uh, reasonable household purchase, where I mentioned that I had purchased a new modem, if you remember, I hope. I do see the, I saw the picture that you put up. You said you're going to keep it mint in box. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know if I should let it breathe, but I did decide to let it breathe. So I called up Xfinity to get it activated. And I, I just want to tell a quick story about how I had my my punk card thrown down by the operator I was talking to. And I, I'm not going to do an offensive uh, accent, but the, the gentleman obviously had an Indian accent, which just made what he was saying a little bit funnier because his kayfabe name was Brian. And he was basically saying, like, sir, you have a, a, a gigabit modem. You have a gigabit router. Why don't you want fast internet? Why don't you have gigabit speeds? And I was like, well, you got me there, Brian. <laughs> so I upgraded my internet speeds to uh, uh, the gigabit, which is like 1.3 gigabits per second. And I will, was getting before like 300 megabytes. So this uh -huh. is, uh, my math is bad, like five times faster. I don't know. But uh, that was technically my first weekly purchase as I... Uh, expanded the the cost of my internet provider so if we if my podcasting sounds broken up or bad don't blame the internet anymore so it's, it's, it's all good on my end fair enough yeah um a couple quick things and i'll throw it over to you after uh this past week's aew pay-per-view with uh american dragon showing up at the very end i realized to myself as I'm sure many, many people do, like, hey, I like this guy. I should buy a figure of him. 
And I realized I don't have any Daniel Bryan figures. So I wanted to do a real quick uh, search and scoop of something before the prices blew up. And I picked up an Elite 73 Daniel Bryan figure. And I'm actually just going to send it along to you so you can see it in two seconds. But uh, what this one is, is him with the long straggly beard and the eco-friendly title. Oh, okay. That run. So out of all the random Daniel Bryan figures, I figured this one's, uh, you know, one of the cooler looking ones. And I managed to get it at like pre AEW pricing, you know, and, uh, shortly after I bought it, they exploded. So I'm glad, like I got in there, like in the first, like within an hour of it becoming too late, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and one other quick thing I picked up, as I mentioned last week, I'm starting to become an ultimate collector because, uh, Broski told me to, and I picked up Obviously, through a trade last week, I had gotten the edge in the macho, and uh, I picked up during the week uh, the John Cena because it was, like, cheap on ringside. So I just wanted to get that before it disappears. I don't have any Cena figures either, so I I figured, what better one to have than an Ultimate? Now, uh, you'd also put up pictures, of course, with the holiday and everything. Your usual Tuesday excursion was pushed back to Thursday, but yet there was somehow even more figures out. (laughs) including AEW figures. Yeah. Yeah. You know what it was? I worked just because of the holiday and, you know, uh, my boss, you know, I work out a deal every year to kind of get most Sundays during football season off. So the penalty to that is that like, I work a lot of other days back to back to back. So I just got off of like a nine day swing. So I haven't done any like doll safariing lately. And so I missed this past Tuesday. So today was my first day to go out like looking in you know 10 days and i hit pretty much two days worth of stores in one day like i was out just driving around for five hours listening to podcasts and whatnot but yeah i saw at the dixon city slash scranton target uh three aew figures and then i had seen aew figures on my way to iwtv 100 but this is the first time to see them in the scranton wilkes-barre area it was uh the new penta and ray phoenix and the second MJF figure, the AKA the greatest heel in all of wrestling. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, and I passed on all three of them. Like I, I was tempted just a little bit for the, you know, the, the Penta, but then I was like, you kind of need the Ray Phoenix. And then I was like, nah, I don't need any of them. So I didn't buy any of those. Um, but, but, and you didn't purchase the dozens and dozens of ultimates that you saw in the wild either. <laughs> No, so then I went to uh, the Scranton Walmart, and there was, I don't know, four or five uh, Ultimate Ric Flairs and four or five Ultimate Austins. But I had just gotten those maybe like two weeks ago from Target's website, you know, just for whatever regular price. So I had just, you know, whatever. If I needed them, I would have picked them up. But uh, it was just cool. Like, I've seen a Ultimate here or there on shelves but I've never seen that many. So there was lots of those. And another thing that I, I didn't take a photograph of, but I saw is uh, in the basic line, I saw the Chase Scarlet Bordeaux basic figure because uh, it's the one where she's not in a cat suit. Mm. Uh, I saw that on a peg, but it was kind of mangled. And I was going to take a picture of just me, me finding another Chase in the wild, but I was like, hey, I've tweeted too much today. This is like three or four weeks in a row that you've had these crazy finds in our area, which you can also attest to this is the most proliferation of figures that there's been at least in the three years of us recording this show. 
Oh, hundred percent. I feel like nature's healing finally. <laughs> like, yeah. The distribution's getting better. I saw like one of those turbo man Walmart exclusive figures that people tell me is popular, but I don't get, um, I saw a lot of Funkos that I already had, but just to see them out and about, uh, not a lot of stuff that I wanted to buy, but a lot of stuff that I'm like, Oh, I know people want that. It's not just like a peg warmer. Right. What about you, Joe? What'd you buy this week? Uh, I bought a new pop filter for my microphone. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Funko Pop. No, no. Oh. <laughs> um, there. So I do have a Funko Pop purchase in the hopper that, when it does come in or out or whatever, we will discuss. Okay, when it comes, it comes. When it comes, it comes. <laughs> uh, but the pop filter that I had for this, I was stretching a much smaller pop filter over the microphone that I have. And that stretching has kind of started to rip and so forth. And I noticed in the last like week or so in recording or recording and editing this and Longbox Heroes and the Patreon show and everything else that I'm starting to hear more because I'm not like a popper into the microphone or a spitter into the microphone. I have that kind of uh, under control. But any subtle movements that I make on the desk are now starting to get picked up because there's a rip in the pop filter that I have. So I had to get a bit, a different one, a newer one, and I got one that's fit for this microphone as opposed to me trying to fit one that shouldn't be on this microphone. Anyway, I was hoping it would be here today. It's not here today. It won't be here till tomorrow so that I can hear and hopefully get a definitive difference between the old one and the new one. But I was long overdue for a new pop filter for my microphone. Fair enough. I, as you can tell from bare minimum me over here, I don't use a pop filter, but I also don't wear headphones when I'm podcasting either. So it's a real fly-by-night operation over mm-hmm. here. Yeah. It certainly is. <laughs> well, I can't spend money on pop filters, Joe, because I have so many toys that I bought, and I'm going to tell you about more of them. All right. So, obviously, I mentioned before, I'm I'm trying to buy more Ultimates because they're a great investment opportunity. Wink, wink. Opportunity. Uh, yes, <laughs> opportunity. And I, I had always said to myself, at least, that I'm not going to go back and buy the older ones because I'm not... I don't care enough to go and buy like $70 figures, $80 figures, $90 figures, whatever. But I'd always said that there's really two previous ultimates that I wish I had. One of them being the Shawn Michaels and the other one being the Finn Balor. And, but I'm like, okay, these are already like north of a hundred bucks. So I'm never going to buy them. You know, they're not slim Jim machos. I'm not dropping the money. I don't care enough. But in the major pod group, uh, a couple days ago, somebody like pretty late at night, it was like, I don't know, midnight, one o'clock, whatever. Somebody posted a link to Entertainment Earth. Are you familiar with their website? I am. So Entertainment Earth put up not for pre-order and not for like back order. Hey, we'll notify you when they're in stock, but in stock, ready to ship Ultimate Series 3 two-pack, meaning you got both of the figures in the series. Uh, consisting of Triple H, which I can care less about, and Finn Balor for $70 shipped. It was like $62 or $69, and I think it was free shipping. And so, like, I saw that, and it was one of those rare instances where I was like, I saw the post like 10 seconds after it went up or whatever. So I went right to Entertainment Earth's website. It said in stock. I went, clicked add to cart. And it said, oh, something is wrong. Please try again. I'm like, oh, okay, I see how it is. These were never in stock. And if they were, the bots got them or whatever. But for whatever reason, I thought, let me just try it again. So I deleted them from my cart, added them back in, clicked purchase. And the sale went through, Joe. 
But then I thought to myself, there's no chance that these figures are actually going to ship. They're probably going to get a notice in like a day or two. We're sorry. Unfortunately, this was an error and they've uh, sold out or whatever. But uh, two days ago, I got a shipping notification that Entertainment Earth is shipping my Balor and my Triple H. Now, they haven't arrived yet, Joe. I know we don't go by the rules of it having to be in hand on this show. Right. But but they shipped. And unless there's some major mishap where they're sending me the wrong figures, and I've done a lot of business with Entertainment Earth in the past, and I've never, you know, knock on wood, had anything sent improperly. But, Joe, this Triple H figure that I don't even want is like a $150 figure, and the Balor is like $120, $130, and I got them both for $70, bucks, so I'm pretty pumped. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah, it is a pretty good deal. Um, the other thing I want, I got before I throw it back to you for one of your other many purchases is this is the other thing I got in the major pod group. And this is a figure that I already have the chase of, uh, but I didn't have the basic, like the, like the regular version and they're becoming harder and harder to find. Uh, but I managed to pick up an elite 84 Kurt Hawkins figure, which I just sent you. Oh, Hey now. And it is signed by Kurt Hawkins with the inscription O and 269. Uh, okay. You know, that was his streak record. Right. Okay. I was yeah. hoping, see if I was going to get, so it's oh, okay. It's signed by Hawkins, not by, um, not by Brian Myers. Myers. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. So this is how it came. You know, I didn't get it straight from him. Uh, sure. And because I had been pricing these figures, because I always said, oh, if one pops up in the pod group for like 35 shipped, you know, I'll grab it. Because it's just, I, I there's not going to be any other Kurt Hawkins Mattel elites, you know, there's just right. that. So I was like, it's one that I want. And this one was in last week's flea market. And after we were done recording last Thursday, uh, I messaged the guy and I negotiated him down. But basically, I paid less for this signed figure then the unsigned ones are going for on eBay. Wow, not a bad deal. Wheeling yeah. and dealing, I like it. Yeah, so, and I, like I said, I have lots of stuff signed by Brian Myers. I don't have anything signed by Kurt Hawkins, uh, and I just thought it was a cool thing. to. And this is this is Detolf-worthy, Joe, so it's in the Detolf. Right. If I was to get something signed by Brian, uh, it would he would have to inscribe it, stay true to the crew. <laughs> there you go. Did you get anything else? I did. I'm going to send you in the in the chat here. Oh, oh for Skype? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm loading it up. And I'm you're sending me something else. Oh, it's a link that you have to click on. Damn it. Sorry. Uh-oh. That's going to cause problems. I won't click on that. No, it's okay. <laughs> so uh, while, you're, while you're clicking on that and opening that up, I was hoping it would be the picture, but it's not. So uh, last week I mentioned I'd got for my kid's uh, locker at school some magnets for some game that he plays called Friday Night Funkin', which is just like a nouveau version of Parappa the Rapper, if you remember that game. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of a guy bopping his head right now. Okay, so this is now the third character from the game that he's requested that he wants to be his Halloween costume. This year, the first one was like this skull demon thing that was on fire. Another one was like wolf or dog looking thing. And then this was the one that he settled on. As my wife and I are looking at this and we're like, okay, is this something that can be done? Um, we began the purchasing of the elements that will construct this costume, which is a red 
pullover hoodie as the character is wearing. Mm-hmm. And as you can see, the teeth and the eyes look very Venom-esque. Yeah. Uh, we found on eBay kind of like um, like that mesh material that you would see like on Green Man. You know, you know oh, Green Man? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you, you do YouTube. Yeah. Uh, no, so... It's that, but it looks very much like that with the Venom, with the eyes and the everything else. And like we were looking at like regular plastic masks for the Venom, but because it needs to have like those weird tendril things on them, the Venom mask needed to be cloth. So it was a lot of like us trying to finagle this. And like my wife and I both have the shit pulled up and we're like, listen, this is the third time that you've changed your mind of what you want your costume to be. I'm about to hit purchase. Once I hit purchase, the horse is out of the barn and we cannot change our mind anymore, okay? Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. So um, he already has a pair of black pants. We're going to skip on the shoes. And then it's just getting the mask in so my wife can construct like the thing is coming off its head for it. It's something from Friday Night Funkin' called Agati, A-G-O-T-I. It's stylized in a way. I don't know. I don't understand the game. It goes too fast for me. I'm an old man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't follow it, but my kid loves it. So it's what he wants uh, to be for Halloween uh, when he picks these things and weird things. My wife and I usually and definitely try our best to make sure that he can get it and have it and be it for Halloween because we love Halloween. Yeah, he, he kind of looks like the Demon King. Like Finn Balor. Yeah, yeah. It's very much like that, but that's not a reference that he would get or my wife would get. Oh, I got you. But just you like. You know, so I'm like Venom. And like, yeah. okay. So we have to see when the mask thing comes in, if it fits him, if that needs to be taken in, if he could see through it, if he could breathe through it, whatever. And uh, yeah, so Halloween has started here. Nice, nice. All right, Joe, I have uh, one or two more things to go over. And right. uh, obviously, uh, I, I've gathered a little bit of a reputation amongst uh, some of our listeners, some of our fellow podcasters, as being like uh, a little bit of extreme of a toy boy. You yes. Know? Like maybe spending a little bit too much money on toys and being the go-to guy for a lot of information and whatever. Uh, but here's the thing, man. Like a lot of people also talk about cards and they, they forget that like for as much of a toy boy as I am, like... I'm way more of a card guy. I just don't really talk about it as much and like haven't really been dabbling as much in the last couple of months. But here's the thing, Joe, all these people who want to talk about their card collections, uh, they should come after me and say, uh, I would say, do you want to take a swing? Do you want to take a swing? Because you know what, Joe? This week I went and got a taste. I got a taste of 2021 Tops NXT. And I'm just sending you uh, the picture right now. I have a dual autographed card of Chase Parker, Matt Martell, Everrise, baby, because Everrise rules, Joe. This is a one of 10 card, by the way. I was going to say, uh, I like the uh, promo picture choices chosen, especially for Matt. <laughs> uh, Matt's signature is lazy, and I love it for that. <laughs> yeah um i've seen a couple of these pop up on ebay and this was i had seen some that were limited to 99 and then this is one that's limited to 10 
And a lot of people had crazy buy it nows, but this one was like an auction and it ended reasonably and I'm happy with it. So again, if you uh, you think I can't hang with you when it comes to card collecting, uh, come and take a swing. That's all I got to say about that. Now, of course, uh, I know we're on the uh, the cusp sometime by the end of the year. The AEW upper deck cards are coming out. This is true. This is true. Uh, where, 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 what's your stance on that? Are there any cards you're going to – obviously, people will have a base card. And some people, I don't know what their formula is. Obviously, there's going to be autograph cards. But is there anybody that you're going to want to track down like uh, the uh, – not necessarily the rookie because most of our friends would already have cards elsewhere. But maybe like their first certified autograph card? Uh, well, you know, uh, autograph card notwithstanding, um, my mindset is going to be leaning toward guys that have figures. Okay. Um, and guys that I know and have the figures of, like, obviously there is no Orange Cassidy card. No? How do you know that? Oh, well, I was going to say, never mind. But uh, did they release a checklist or anything? No, there's no checklist yet either. The only thing is, is you can get that digital exclusive uh, punk card. Uh-huh. And I know when they had initially released it, they had said that there was going to be, like, your typical, like, oh, one in fives with the ring thing or, like, gear and all that sort of jazz, right? Yeah. Um, I'd love to get an Eddie Kingston card. I'd love to get an OC card. I'd love to get a Brody card. Um, and then obviously as those people, if they have any sort of specific exclusives, then we'll have to like peel back those as well. Okay. I thought you had said that Orange Cassidy wasn't getting a card. That's why I was taken aback there. No, no, no. You were saying that a lot of these guys, this wouldn't be their rookie card, but I'm saying that this is probably orange. This would probably be Orange Cassidy's rookie card. No. As we've discussed before that uh, Eddie Kingston and uh, Brody had cards in Chikara sets before. No, well, there is a uh, Joey Janela GCW spring break set uh, that has an Orange Cassidy card. in it. Oh, it does. Yeah. yeah sassafras. That's anyway. what I was saying. Like it, I mean, obviously this is his first mainstream card and it'll be a first chance to get like a certified autograph or maybe like a memorabilia card or something like that. But if you want to consider, you know, cards given out or sold through the GCW website, you know, as being legit, which, you know, there's a divided mindset as to whether or not cards issued by the promotion count. But I think they do. And that might just be because I have like a graded 10 of that card already. So uh, but yeah, he does have a card. But I, yeah, I, I'm I'm okay with not getting that. Yeah, I I would still like if I will pick up any like common slash base cards of Orange Cassidy and you know maybe Eddie Kingston and I'll see where it goes from there. Obviously, take Conti, you know, but uh, I already have you know as I mentioned, I have now the autographed rookie of Ever Rise, and you know when there's a 2.0 card if it's autographed, I'm I don't feel as obligated to go and drop a bunch of money for it because i already have something you know what i'm saying but you know we'll see we'll talk when those orange cassidy cards you know hit the market and we see what they're going for uh the days of being able to get stuff of orange cassidy on the super cheap are long over with because the secret got out you know yeah all right joe the last thing i bought and this is not a a a well-kept secret either uh, but uh, they officially went up for sale the day after we recorded last week. And that is the plaque commemorating the reigning, and I say still defending, GCW 
world champion, Matt Cardona. Yes, those autographed plaques that have this little swatch of the, the shirt from that night. Uh, I went the next day uh, and I ordered... Um, maybe I ordered two of them. Yes, I ordered two of them. And I'll tell you why, Joe. I ordered two of them, all right? And that's because I want to up my chances of the little piece of shirt having the, uh, the graphic from the shirt on it, if that makes sense. Like, you can get a random swatch from, you know, the back of the shirt, and that's one thing. But if you get a piece that has, like, the logo that was on the shirt, it just makes it more in demand, and that's the way, like, people think when they're buying sports memorabilia so it ups my chances and i'm sure you know god forbid my post carrier smashes one of them i'm sure the return policy at broski incorporated isn't the best so like i'm just hedging my bets that i get a good one and if i get two great ones then obviously i'm just gonna go and sell one of them in the major pod group at an inflated price but uh i ordered two joe go ahead and crucify me for it well, I'm glad that you got them before they sold out so quickly. Hey, they sold out within 12-ish hours, 24-ish hours. <laughs> 48-ish hours. Within the week? Within a week? Within a week. Um, no, listen, I know you're broski-pilled. There's nothing we can do about it. Um, you know, eventually you're going to have to have a purge of your broski items and start selling them back to broski himself, you know? That's another thing. He's going to end up giving away all of his extras and stuff like that. And then he's like, shit, I didn't keep one for myself or I want four of them. And I can just sell it back to him. It's a it's a self-sustaining economy. It's like Dave and Buster's bucks. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally all I have, Joe. Just a small week from me. Okay, yeah, small week. Okay, so uh, AEW cards, right? Yeah. So, well, I'm not going to get, like, way deep in the minutiae on this shit because it's ridiculous, okay? Yeah. Uh, 100-card sets, wrestlers 1 to 60, tag teams uh, 61 to 70, crew uh, 71 to 80, and then it says AEW Magazine 81 to 100, okay? Yeah. Um, and then usual upper deck staples, exclusives in high gloss foil, which are numbered, et cetera, et cetera. And then with each thing, it's, you know, then there's like variants on those cards with gold, pyro, dynamite, finisher, exclusives, high gloss, and black. Black being the rarest of the whatevers. Uh, then there's going to be canvas ones that come with a piece of canvas, I guess. Yeah, like ring canvas from an event or something. Sure, sure. And then there's the autographs and relics. Um, you know, those go down the thing. And then there's uh, dotted line, which is a rare autograph insert. And then there's the one that uh, has ring worn uh, shirts or gear or otherwise, right? Yeah. Now, uh, it says it comes out in November, no definitive date. And now the checklist is incomplete, I'm going to guess, only because it says uh, base list checklist is Jericho, Cody, Darby, Britt Baker, Sheeta, Kenny, Miro, Nyla Rose, Stang, and the Box, which is a lot less than 60 people. And then the dotted line autographs are Darby, Sheeta, Moxley, Omega. Uh, Matt Hardy and the and the box. So it feels as though these are incomplete lists at this point. Yeah, because I mean, obviously that picture leaked of like the entire room full of people signing stuff. Um, 
you know, so the dotted line series might be on card autos and yeah, yeah. a lot, a lot of people were signing sticker sheets, you know, so that there's probably isn't mentioned in that. Sure. Sure. Uh, so yeah, we'll see who gets what and how I'm not going to like go crazy trying to track down autographs of people or whatever. Um, you know, I'll be happy with at Kingston at Eddie Kingston at Brody Lee. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. And obviously if there's a Bryce card, we need that. Right. So, ah, uh, I, I hate the fact that this shit is opening up a whole new direction. I mean, I'm going to have to, you know what? I'm going to have to finally purge the Funkos to make room for these cards. This is it. This is the catalyst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At least knock it down to like 400 of them. We'll see. I, I, and again, as, as someone who has well over 3000 comic books in his basement, um, which I'm sure you have a lot of comic books as well. Yeah. Um, 500 Funko pops sounds just so excessive. <laughs> It's 501 as of today, Joe, so. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> That's all I got. Let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. All right, everyone, thank you very much for this three-year voyage that we've been on. Here's to at least three more, maybe, I guess, hopefully. Yeah, why not? Uh, closing up episode 155 of At Odds With Wrestling. For Adam, this is Joe saying, be safe, everyone, and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.